Hello and welcome to Coffee with Coasties, the podcast. I'm your host, Joe Nemeth. I've got my co-host, Kelsey Sider. Hey, hey. In the house. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good. We're excited today. In studio is Glenn Bird, Flotilla 10-1, U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary. How you doing, Glenn? Doing well. Thank you. Good. Welcome to the podcast. First things first, how do you take your coffee? Just a little cream. A little cream. Mm. Splash of cream. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So tell us, how long have you been in the auxiliary, Glenn? Just over two years. Two years and a couple months. Okay, good. What brought you to the auxiliary? Well, I really wasn't aware of it until I took a boating safety class when I started coming down here to Wilmington and uh, met Jim Sinclair and some other guys and um, realized that, hey, that's something I could get involved in when I got down here full time. So you said that just looks like a swell bunch of characters. Sign me up, huh? Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so, so I told everybody you're at ten one. Tell us what you do in ten one. Um, a little bit of everything. A little bit uh, of everything. Probably a little bit too much sometimes. Uh, mm, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you get, when you sign up to be a vice flotilla commander, right? I know. I know. I, <laughs> you got to so wear I, yeah. a few of all the hats. Currently, vice flotilla commander, like as you said. Um, also trying to fill in for some other roles that aren't being filled right now do some work around member training, try and help around the nav systems uh, type things. So uh, really fill in wherever I can. Gotcha. So for our listeners that don't know, the vice flotilla commander is basically the chief of staff for the flotilla commander. So you manage all the flotilla staff officers and all the programs and products. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty, pretty hard job, huh? Uh, I don't say it's, terribly hard it's just busy busy there's a lot to a lot to keep track of and i'm sometimes don't keep track of all of it so yeah yeah man do my best managing personalities and operations and jobs and all that definitely in a volunteer environment that adds a whole nother level of uh challenges and and being relatively new still um makes it a little harder too because i don't know all the ins and outs still yeah yeah because you were you've been vice flotilla commander this is your second year correct Almost. Yeah, last year in. was kind of weird. With yeah. you know, it was the beginning of COVID, and so there's relatively little activity throughout you know 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so things have definitely picked up in 2021 as we starting to come out of the COVID situation. Yeah. So tell us, uh, tell us about life before the auxiliary. What'd you do? Oh, a number of different things. I mean, I don't know where to start there. I, <laughs> um, when were started you my born? profession. No. <laughs> Tell well, us what the weather was like that day. Which decade? <laughs> <laughs> Having a clue. Um, a lot of years ago, when was I born? Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, started my career professionally in uh, working for the Navy. Um, actually working for a naval contractor and then ended up working for the Navy as a civilian for a number of years. Okay. Before I shifted over out of uh, engineering with the Navy and started doing engineering with the Food and Drug Administration with medical okay. devices. Okay. And Good. And that just gradually shifted over time to private industry, um, and more into pharma and biologics. Um, so very much so into today's world around clinical trials and how do you get things like the vaccine approved. Um, yeah. And then spent 30 years doing regulatory affairs work. Good deal. So you're available to answer anybody's questions about the COVID-19 vaccination. I can try. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. That sounds like a really diverse career, which is which brings me to a point we always talk about is diversity in the auxiliary. How everybody from all different types of backgrounds can come in and bring that skill set and kind of their 
their glasses that they see and the way they did things and experiences into this great organization that's acceptable. The Coast Guard as a whole is acceptable. I mean, we've had episodes where we've talked about how uh, they're willing and open to listen to ideas and new ways to do things. And so the auxiliary is, is really paramount in that, in bringing that diverse crew, crew in to help out and augment. So aside from your uh, administrative duties, uh, what, what other qualifications and things do you participate in in the auxiliary? Um, well, I'm boat crew qualified now. So okay. that was first year was really focused on trying to get that um, in place. And that was able to happen right before COVID started. So that was good in terms of getting uh, qualified in, in boat crew. Uh, working on a lot of other things, um, trying to take different trainings that are available, the weather course, the communications course. Um, been uh, working on my AIDS verification um, qualification, so that's underway. And also just started working with the uh, aviation side in Ox Air and uh, just getting exposed to what I've got to do there. So Yeah. So I, I remember signing off on this paperwork a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yep. Yeah. So tell me, um, tell me about, because uh, we haven't had anyone here yet who's participated in Ox Air. Tell us a little bit about that program. Uh, and I guess maybe, you know, who you're working with. So you'd be the only person in our flotilla who's working Ox Air, but the other flotilla, 10-6, has some people. So you're going to be mm-hmm. working probably more with those guys and gals. Right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the Ox Air program and what it does um, versus some of the other traditional, what I would consider traditional things, recreational boating safety and stuff that uh, Auxiliary participates in. I'll do my best there. Um, I'm still learning a lot of that, but uh, it's definitely set up differently than surface operations, for example, um, in that it's not flotilla or division driven. It's more district centered. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the folks that I've been meeting with um, virtually, of course, <laughs> lately have they've, they're from all regions within Division uh, District 5. And so that includes Virginia uh, and North Carolina and, and even some in Maryland on occasion. Um, but it, it, they work real closely with the local air stations, Elizabeth City and, and some others. And um, it sounds like a good group of, uh, to get involved with, but uh, I'm, I'm, again, really early in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and uh, some of those uh, duties with, the air program is our uh, spotters, right? Do you, or do you have your pilot's license? Do you fly at all? Or are you looking to do some of the other, the other duties? So personally, I do have a pilot's license, but I'm not, but I'm not looking to get, uh, you know, qualified as an aircraft commander because mm-hmm. that's just not on, in the cards for me at the moment. I just want to get air crew qualified, mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they get involved in search and rescue. They do spotters. They do routine patrols, much like the surface operation routine patrols. Um, just looking for things like spills and other things in the waterways. But they also work inland. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not as familiar with what goes on in, in the inland areas. but uh. Yeah, I heard, a, I heard a story that came out last year uh, where the part was needed for at one of the one of the air base are you familiar with the story i've heard little bits of it yeah yeah so uh they they needed a part and uh they ended up asking uh, an auxiliarist uh who has a facility of his own and they went and picked it up and uh and, and took it and you know uh, transported it where it needed to be to get the crew off the ground the next morning so that's just something else that you know they lean on uh auxiliary 
air facilities for it, you know, to transport goods like that. Yeah, yeah well, it, it's just another example of the auxiliary constantly augmenting what the active duty needs, right? You know, yep. um, something as simple as that and food services and beyond. So it's a, it's a great um, organization. It's sometimes always referred to as a volunteer organization, but it's really a government organization staffed by volunteers. So it's a big difference. And so uh, these volunteers give of their time and their service like you to, to go and be a part of something that's bigger than them and, and to help out and to augment and fill those roles. And it's a huge part. I mean, we see it in the relationships that we've built here in 5th Southern Region and 5th District and Sector North Carolina and beyond and how we've become a part of that team and really build into what they need. And that's and that can be every little facet of it. So it's good to have you in here talking about air. A lot of people probably don't realize that we do air. So that's cool. Well, and, and I think the program, it's it's not just open to pilots. I think it's open to anyone that's interested because you can qualify as an observer. Mm-hmm. You can qualify as crew or uh, as a pilot. And so um, since I am a private pilot, uh, qualifying for observer automatically qualifies you for crew. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of an interesting thing oh, I learned along the way. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm wondering if there's a flight attendant qualification. Yeah, can Not I just I'm go up there and of. serve snacks? <laughs> I, I, I like peanuts you know, and I like coffee, yeah. and I, I could do a good job doing that, sir. Would you like more peanuts? Okay, yeah. please yeah, put I'm, your seat up. They <laughs> haven't talked about that particular aspect, but uh, I, I imagine if you brought a cooler along with you and had those things, but yeah. they're like you said, they're they're individual facilities, much like the uh, operations yeah. surface operations, where people if they have their own airplane. They can get it qualified as a facility. Yeah, and, and when um, we say facilities, though, for those that aren't in the OX or in the Coast Guard, uh, we're talking about aircraft in this right. situation. Yeah. Any, any, t- actually, it's any type of asset that you're any type of asset uh, you're bringing to to use for that purpose. So yeah, whether it's an aircraft, a radio, uh, radio station, you know, uh, set, which is true, anything yeah. like that. So yeah, there's no aisles to walk down though, so the the attendant part might be a little yeah, tough. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Like, it's move a, your leg here. Hold on. Oh, can you pass these peanuts up to him? Yeah, yeah. just just throw them at him. Two to four I mean, people on board. That's about it. I, I make a pretty good DJ in long road trips, so I could always offer to you know. Maybe you just make them a mixtape. Okay, well I want to be remember part the days. Of the team. Remember the days of the mixtape. I'm gonna make a mixtape. A mixtape. Or a mixed CD is what yeah. I grew up with. Yeah, but, yeah. we had know. mixed tapes. <laughs> I, I had an 8-track in my first car. Yeah. Oh, wow. I had a record player. but, but A little, record player in but, your car? No, not in my car. <laughs> but a little-known secret is uh, I used to DJ on on uh, turntables. You know, so oh I gosh. did a little bit of that way back when. I'm seeing you in Vipers right now. Yeah. So yeah. Sunglasses, Adidas, fat shoelaces. That was me. Parachute pants. Spiked bleach hair. Yeah, no bleached hair. You can't bleach this hair. It's too dark. It won't even turn gray. It's so dark. Well, if I made a mixtape, let's do this right now. If I made a mixtape, the song I would put it on it, of course, would be Danger Zone. I mean, how could dun, you dun, not? Dun, 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 dun. Yes, exactly. So, Glenn, what are you going to put on the mixtape? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Probably see, something Journey or Foreigner. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. I, would, I would like Don't Stop Believing if I was at a plate, right? Don't <laughs> stop believing. Because somebody's up there and they got to get you back. Don't, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll ask Matt. Matt, what are you going to put on the mixtape? Sound engineer. Our executive producer is wheels are turning as he's thinking. 
Okay, he's so go, we'll just put it on there twice. Zone. That's what you always do with your favorite songs, though. You put it on there at the beginning and at the and end. At that the way end. you can get it multiple times in, this a, true. in a tape's case before having to switch sides. Exactly. You this know? is true. This is true. You gotta <laughs> so through. getting more serious here. Glenn, uh, you, you're new to the program, but tell us about uh, what kind of aircraft that you know of that the auxiliary is using in North Carolina. Have you Have you got to touch and feel and play around and... I haven't really, I haven't been physically with any of the aircraft yet. Okay. Um, mostly just been meeting folks and learning whether some of the initial qualifications, but I do, I've heard them list off the facilities that are available, the aircraft that, that they, the folks do have. Cessna 172s, Cessna okay. 182s, um, that type of aircraft, single engine, um, piston driven air, aircraft. Very cool. Yeah. I, uh, Years ago, I worked for a company, and they had a, a King Air, and it was the is our personal plane. And so I literally flew to work every Monday morning and flew home every Friday night. And anytime we needed anything, parts or whatever, we would use this aircraft. So nice. I, I became very accustomed to, like, hopping on there and going somewhere. And we called it the station wagon <laughs> because we were always loading stuff at the back and having to weigh it all out. And we'd be like, oh, sorry, you can't ride with us. We have too much stuff in the back. And so we were constantly balancing the load on the station wagon. But she got us everywhere we needed to go. That's so Very nice. It's all that matters. So we've determined you don't need anybody for snack duty. So you just let me know when something changes. <laughs> Maybe we could make some care packages, Kelsey. To drop okay. off for the aviation. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oxair needs snacks too. Yeah. There you go. Maybe maybe uh, Flight Tower doesn't want you crunching in their ears. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? Got some static coming in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff. But yeah, so uh, without breaking any confidentiality or classified information, do you have an interesting story from either your time as a Navy contractor or in the auxiliary? Anything interesting? Anything funny? Um, well, maybe a couple. Um, I think the first one, uh, going way back early in my career working for the Navy, I was fortunate enough to be in Fort Worth, Texas at first flight of the V-22 Osprey. Oh. So that was a really cool thing to be involved in. I worked on that program for about four, four or five years. Um, it was a really interesting program because the, the way the – you know, Congress works is, you know, you got representatives from all over the country. Well, if you have a, uh, an aircraft or a program of whatever nature and you isolate it to only two or three states, then you've got only two or three advocates for your program. They developed this aircraft system with contractors in, I think, 48 out of 50 states. In, in a way, it kind of guaranteed its life mm -hmm. by having places where people are employed which means people were you know advocating their congressmen to For support jobs. the program despite sure. a lot of challenges that that program had over the years to get to to its active status now and you see them now flying around all the time all the time um, yeah. all the time. but Especially it's it's got an interesting past um some of which i probably can't share but uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's it's around today and it's kind of neat to see it even though i was around at first flight yeah i mean that program's what they started that in the mid '90s or so. Oh no! Um, uh, or before the before that, uh, okay. the technology is probably mid '70s. Oh wow! Okay. Mid, late '70s technology. First flight happened, I think, 
around 1987, oh, somewhere wow. in that time frame. But what was that like, guys? <laughs> well, let's see. 1987, time, the number one show on TV was Miami Vice, probably. Or, like, or Dallas. Pretty close to Dallas. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, everybody could, wore remember. white uh, jackets with pastel colored t-shirts underneath them. I never wore one of those. <laughs> and you pulled the sleeves up. And everybody in America smoked. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. But okay. yeah, pretty just close. About, so. Just about, yeah. 75% of America smoked. That was the 80s. And weird sunglasses. And music that's still holds up to this day, Kelsey. Yeah. Okay. Now we call it classic Major rock. Though. Classic rock. Exactly. I guess um, the other story um, just happened recently. We had a stand-up training to try and ensure that uh, the active duty folks wanted to make sure that us auxiliarists were, you know, that we had the rust brushed off and sure. were ready to get back out on the, uh, on the water supporting them. And so we were out basically getting checked off on things like towing and, and uh, man overboard drills and that sort of thing. And so we were with the active duty folks out on the waterway uh, near Wrightsville beach station. And, um, there were a couple waves of of boats and auxiliarists doing this training and we end up getting this this report saying so and so's out towing somebody's boat not not training but a real life situation and when they got back to the dock come to find out as they were out there doing their checkouts they see this nice 26 foot grady white center console floating down the waterway nobody on board wow and so they pulled up alongside, boarded it, and, uh, well, checked for anyone that may have been overboard. And then they towed it to the Coast Guard station. Coast Guard was able to identi- you know, identify, uh, I guess, the owner. And um, they saved somebody's boat. Oh. There you go. So not a finder's so, keeper situation. So not a training no. exercise. It was a real-life scenario. And it, I think it showed the, the value of us being back out on the water. So I think that was a neat kind of funny situation but yeah you know if if you're the owner of that nice boat you that wasn't so funny yeah one yeah. you're telling your kid not to untie the lines again <laughs> and yeah. two you're glad they found your boat before and it ended up offshore and yeah they think it floated off a floating dock and that just reminds people you better tie your boat up yeah, yeah. good good reminder good what a force multiplier story too right yeah you know For sure so very cool well i think it's time that i share a coast card fun fact did you know for seven years the Coast Guard was our only Navy? The Coast Guard started its life as the Revenue Marine Service. It was founded by Alexander Hamilton, yes, the one in all the plays, in 1790 to stop the smugglers and pirates who were sapping up the U.S. of its trade revenue. Without the Revenue Marine, the United States likely wouldn't have, would have gone bankrupt before it had its second president. Not only that, but from 1790 until the launch of the first ships of the U.S. Navy in 1797, the Coast Guard's forerunner service was the only naval defense force the U.S. had. This makes the Coast Guard the nation's oldest continuous seagoing service, although the Navy likes to point out that the Continental Navy, their predecessor, existed from 1775 to 1783, since there was a 15-year gap where no Navy existed. Which one of us came first remains a hotly debated issue, but on this program, we go with the Coast Guard. Interesting fact, right? What do you think? Very much so. Did you guys know that? I did not. Kelsey's tweeting about it right now. She's so excited. 
So, Glenn, uh, National Safe Boating Week kicked off. Summertime is here. People are out on their boats. They're doing everything. Tell us what's your pet peeve that you see uh, on the water boat goers and mistakes that they make or things that you wish the public did better or things you want to educate the public on. You know, it's it's funny. I, I think um, the thing for me that sticks out is alcohol on board uh, vessels and and I mean, I'm not against having a good time, but uh, I think it reminds me back when I was a kid. You know, we had a small little boat, and we'd go out. And my, when my dad used to let me take it out, he he just had one rule, and that's no alcohol on board. Yeah, and it's a good you rule. know, even when I, you know, I'm 17 years old, and I'm trailering the boat down to Lake Anna back at, back in the day with my friends. I'm told, I'm first thing I tell them is leave your leave your beer aside. Although we weren't old enough to have beer at the time. Obviously. I was just... <laughs> well, the drinking like, age back then was at home, and they're like, what? I was like, look, you want to go boating? Yeah. My dad's boat. My dad's rules. <laughs> no, that's a good point. And I think it's still valid today. I mean, you know, there's too many things that can go wrong. It's so much different drinking on the water than it is drinking on land. From, not just from, you know, better time or <laughs> the quality of time or anything it's just from you know you're dehydrated you have a lot more motion and things going on you know you're maintaining you're getting stability baked by the on, sun. yeah getting baked by the sun dehydrated you know you're trying to maintain your stability on a, on a you know a vessel that's rocking back and forth that type of thing so you can actually you get easily fatigued mm-hmm. and then you add alcohol to the mix and you don't necessarily realize your depth perception you know, going after, you know, maybe one or two um, that you would be able to handle pretty easily on land. So that's Reaction good... time, everything. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because, so everybody knows, for the most part, you don't drink and drive an automobile. They think with a boat that it's okay. But yet those same people, would they go and make a six-pack to get on their riding lawnmower to cut their grass? Or to ride any other machinery? Well, no. I'm from the country, and well, no. Okay. <laughs> no, just... <laughs> You roll your cigarettes up in your shirt in the country, too. But but no, I mean, it's just there's no other piece of equipment anybody would think about going and operating that they would just think it's socially acceptable. But yet, boating under the influence is a thing and is a, a severe offense. And, and it does cause a ton of accidents every year. So that's a very good point, Glenn. And, and so just like, you know, all those um, other things that are taking in place, you know, you're getting dehydrated you can reach your blood alcohol level limit of 0.08 after like, like I said, like one or two faster. You you might, yeah, a lot faster. I mean, you might can drink, you know, four or five and you, Oh, well technically under the legal limit on land and it's going to be different. So that's definitely uh, that's definitely a good thing uh, to remember that. And also any type of, um, you know, uh, recreational drugs that whether they're, you know, legal or not, you know, weed and its effects on you. Uh, when you're out there trying to boat, so well, and 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 two, very rarely do you see a boat with one person on it, right? They typically have friends and family, mm-hmm. and so not only do you, as the operator, have the responsibility for friends and family, the other boat that's out there has their friends and family, and then the next and the next and the next. So it could end up in a really sticky situation where all of a sudden, you know, fifteen twenty people are put at risk yeah. because of somebody's negligence. So it's just it's. It's really important. It's a very good point, Glenn. So what's 
What's on the horizon? We know we got air crew we talked about, but what's on the horizon for you in the auxiliary? What are you what are you working towards? What's the auxiliary up to? Are you guys starting back any of your boating classes and stuff? Tell, tell us what's going on. Yeah, in fact, today I think our first uh, flotilla run safe boating class is occurring. We've got a number of those classes um, scheduled in the coming months during may and june and uh, i think we've got dates all the way into august at this point so dates all Um, through the summer where would somebody go to find out like a website or something um here's that quiz we were talking about earlier here's the quiz (laughs) ncboatsafe.org ncboatsafe.org yeah yeah Yeah. it's a good place to start you click on that local boating info and find a boater safety class and it'll list it for whatever locations that Cody put in there. Yeah. And, and, uh, cgox.org is another great place. Takes you to the national website. So wherever you're at in the country, you can go there and find a class. And if certainly if you're in the local Wilmington area, if you have a Marina that you have a boat at, for example, um, Mm -hmm. you may be getting communications through your email, your Marina email. I know I did with mine. True. Um, letting us know about it flotilla 10-1 sponsored event but there's yeah. there's events sponsored by the other flotillas in the area as well and and, and okay. folks are definitely and encouraged. Is your, your flotilla back up and run into doing vessel safety checks too right folks have been doing those for the last three two or three months yeah. really okay um, good you and, know, we, and same website to find that information ncboatsafe.org yes and go on there and they can put in i want a vessel safety check yes very cool very cool so uh, Glenn, we really appreciate you coming in today. Um, Glad to be here. One of the things that we wanted to hand off to you here. That's right. He gets a surprise. Surprise. Uh-oh. Oh, nice. A uh, Coffee with Coasties uh, mug, coffee mug here for you to enjoy all future rounds of uh, coffee and also a Coffee with Coasties challenge coin. Oh, nice. So we appreciate you coming on and Thank you. sharing uh, with us about your uh, experience in the auxiliary and, um, you know, your uh, excitement and experiences that you bring to Team Coast Guard and uh, appreciate you coming in. I appreciate yeah, you definitely being here. Um, make sure you, uh, those listening, go to ncboatsafe.org. Like Glenn said, if you want to have a public education or do a vessel safety check, and also, if you want to continue to explore some great Coffee with Coasties content, go to our website, coffeewithcoasties.com. We're also on iTunes and Spotify. You can like and subscribe, and you can also go find us on Facebook. And Instagram. And Instagram. behind-the-scenes. Behind-the-scenes footage on Instagram, yeah. yes. And uh, two, we do have a feedback there on our website. So if there's guests that you guys would like to see come in, or if you are a guest in your area, we are looking for uh, auxiliarists or Coast Guard-related guests to come out on the show. Go in there, shoot us an email, contact us. We'd love yeah. to have you on here. Or if, you've got a, or if you have your own fun fact. Or if, if you, you have your own great story to tell. A good we've story, gotten, fun we've fact. We've got some things in the mailbox um, over the past few months, and think we probably will uh, include those on some future episodes. Yes, that's a good idea. And we do have a lot of uh, guests coming up in the future here. Um, back by popular request, I know we've got to get Captain Bear, Sector North Carolina, back in studio. Yeah. Uh, Lou Stanton, the FC at Flotilla 10-6, he's on the list to come back in studio. What a great storyteller he was. Wasn't I know. He, he really, great. like, kicked off the everything. Yeah. Um, he, he did a really good job. Um, 
We've also uh, got some new guests coming in. Hopefully, we're going to have a couple admirals, a couple commodores, all kinds of stuff coming in. So we've got a great season ahead, uh, moving through the summer, and we appreciate everybody's attendance and listening to us. And we'll see you next time. Have a question or topic request? Reach out to us at www.coffeewithcoasties.com and don't forget to subscribe while you're there.